For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Again, always excited to be here, especially on days like today when it's cold and raining and miserable. But the beauty of a podcast is you don't even have to leave home to do your show. So... Uh, one day I'm going to get to the point where I'm just, I'm going to not care that we live stream this thing on video and I'm just going to start wearing my pajamas to the podcast and just wear my pajamas. Either that or I'll start dressing like Michael Hart and wear a suit to the podcast every day. No, I may start doing that. Who knows? I may do it. Might just do it over the line show.com is the website make sure you go and sign up for the newsletter as i always tell you to do exciting show today we will have joy villa on the phone uh she's supposed to be calling us uh here in probably the next 30 minutes so we're gonna hook that up very excited also a lot of exciting news coming across the wire uh presidential contenders announcing that they're running chaos in Venezuela and uh, the juicy Jesse Smollett case just gets better and better. It's it's starting to move away from being about him and the hoax itself and more about the reactions from the politicians. And this story won't go on forever for those of you thinking, oh, we're talking about this again. Um, there's some people that have to be held accountable 
when it comes to this thing. And I've seen a couple people offer apologies for blowing this out of proportion without the facts and looking like idiots, but the main culprits, the mainstream media, they have no remorse whatsoever, and they never do. Why would they? They're in the business of perpetrating fake news on a regular basis. This is just another case of it. So, we'll talk about all that stuff and plenty more. Before we get started, let me remind you about Nick the Marketer at nickthemarketer.com. Nick Horde is a dear friend of mine, and these guys do an amazing job when dealing with business owners and their digital footprint. Uh, they get out there and they make sure that people see when they search for your product. Let's, let me give you an example. Say you sell um, goat milk uh, body lotion, soap, stuff, hand sanitizer, okay? So that's your product, and somebody just types in and Google, and they're like, goat soap or something. Nick and his team are in the business of making sure you are one of the first, if not the first business or the first links, first websites that pops up. So people have to see your website before they get to any of your competition. Search engine optimization is what they call that. It is very important in 2019 to maximize your digital footprint. Same thing with social media, and that's what these guys do. They help you out with your social media. They make sure you are seen on the internet, and they also keep track of who clicks on what, how many times your page is visited, what parts of your page are visited, and they offer you the same ability. The ability to go in there at any given time and see what your numbers are on your website. You get to use the same software they do when tracking this stuff. That's what's so amazing. So make sure you get in touch with these guys. I mentioned over the line when you talk to them, 205-610-9550. 610-9550 and online, nickthemarketer.com. Even if you're just curious, go to their website, nickthemarketer.com and check it out. And uh, if you do get in touch with them again, make sure you tell them you heard it right here on Over the Line. Boom! It's that easy. That easy. They are also proud sponsors of this podcast, as you may know. All right. Let's, uh, let's breeze through some headlines before we get this thing kicked off. First of all, you have 16 different states are suing Donald Trump in the good old Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals over his national emergency. No surprise there. We all knew it was coming. Donald Trump's already commented on that. I think he's tweeted twice in the past 12 hours about it. Let me... Um, I saw it pop up. I've resubscribed to Donald Trump's tweets to get the notifications every time he tweets. I had quit because I was getting so many notifications, but now I'm back at it. He said, as I predicted, 16 states led mostly by open border Democrats and the radical left have filed a lawsuit in, of course, the Ninth Circuit. California, the state that has wasted billions of dollars on their out-of-control fast train with no hope of completion, seems in charge. <laughs> And then he goes on to talk about the train project. He said, the fa failed train project in California, where the cost overruns 
are becoming world record setting is hundreds of times more expensive than the desperately needed wool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's putting them on blast for uh, doing what he said they were going to do and what we all knew they were going to do. We knew this was going to be part of it. So you've got uh, California, you've got New York, and 14 other states suing Trump. I don't actually have a list of the states in front of me. Let me see if I can uh, if I can find it. Eh, maybe not. Wait, yeah, I found it. Found it. So New York, California, Maine, Delaware, Oregon, Hawaii, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Virginia, Nevada, New Jersey, and New Mexico. The audacity of Virginia with the problems they have to try to sue the president over a border wall. <laughs> I mean, come on. Aren't y'all busy wearing blackface? What are y'all doing? Y'all ain't got time to be doing all that. Uh, notice you don't hear any Alabamas or, or Georgias or, or Tennessees or Mississippis in there. Because <laughs> we've all got common sense. Actually, yeah, you, uh, you don't see any southern states whatsoever. I mean, the closest thing you've got to the border is New Mexico, which I think that speaks for itself. <laughs> but uh, everybody else is uh, uh, Midwest to up north. So take that for what it's worth. Or out west, obviously. The, the further west you go, the more radical left it is, ironically. Because if you look at a map, it's on the left. How about that? I just taught you something. So that's going to be going on. We'll be watching that. Hopefully that'll move swiftly. I don't have any insight on how fast that stuff's going to move. I mean, you don't have to sit there and, and do the lawsuit 16 times. But these people will do whatever they can to stall this. Because just like everything else they do, they want to stretch it out. They want to stretch it out till 2020 until the next presidential election. So they can then um, just vote Trump out of office, that's what they think they're going to do, and just uh, start from scratch. Start with a new president who will come in like your Kamala Harris or your Cory Booker and just scrap everything. Scrap it all. So there you go. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Man, the thunder is rolling today, too. If y'all hear thunder in the background, just ignore that. It's, uh, it's not bombs going off here at the podcast studio. It's uh, storming really bad outside and it's possibly the coldest rain i've ever felt in my life so uh that's out there what else we got we'll be talking about the chaos in venezuela donald trump making a speech in florida just yesterday talking about uh socialism and how dangerous it is and no more appropriate time to to, to bring up and harp on socialism than now because of the threat we faced from politicians that have been voted into office that openly talk about socialism as if it's a good thing. The old, it hasn't been done right yet gimmick. That's the socialists of this country. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a new presidential contender that announced just this morning. We'll talk about Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, um, the Jussie Smollett stuff. What's the latest on that? And 
an Alabama newspaper editor calling for the Klan to return, the Ku Klux Klan to return and clean out D.C. by using lynchings. So, and we just passed a law that makes lynchings a, a federal crime, which I would imagine if you lynch somebody, most times if, if you're doing it right, it would kill them, and then that would still be a federal crime, but it's all about politics and not actually what matters. Um, this is from a, a newspaper in... Da, 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 da. It's in West Alabama, and I can't remember the freaking name of it. Oh, the Democrat Reporter is the name of the paper. It's in Linden, Alabama, which is um, close to the Mississippi state line. Some of y'all may know where Linden's at. Some of y'all that that live here in in Alabama. But nonetheless, uh, this is some some old fat white guy who inherited this small town newspaper from his father and uh he has allowed these editorials to be posted uh, on not only posted in his newspaper but he actually agrees with these editorials which is not really a good look so some people from uh, a newspaper in auburn came across these papers and exposed them and it's starting to get a little bit of a national attention. I'm sure it'll make its way to the mainstream outlets who are trying to find a way to recover from the Jesse Smollett stuff and say, see, 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 even though we were wrong, racism is still alive and well, which I would, I would go out on a limb and say that there is quite the difference between talking in a very racist way and actually putting a noose around someone's neck and pouring bleach on them and calling them the N-word. But uh, maybe that's just me. But I'll break that down for you and we'll, uh, we'll kind of talk about it. It's going um, to be interesting to watch nonetheless. I know a lot of people uh, aren't happy about it because it put a bit of a black eye on the state of Alabama, but we can just go ahead and pass this off on Mississippi since it's so close to the, uh, to the state line. I mean, that's what I would do. Let me do this though. Let me move over. Um, I'll get into, to the stuff with the border wall and all that. Uh, There's plenty to talk about on that front. Even talking about socialism, uh, where Donald Trump gave the speech in Florida. He brought up socialism 28 times in that speech, which, uh, again, that's very important. But the biggest socialist of all, at least in this country, one Bernard Sanders announced this morning that he is running for president in 2020. He is throwing his hat in the ring and uh, it's been comical thus far, to say the least, and he's only hours into announcing he's running for president. I say that because I've been trying to get the pulse of those on the internet that supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, 
And it seems as if they are officially disenchanted with the Bernie movement. Like it was a once in a lifetime thing. And now that they realize who he actually is and realizes that he's got three houses and all this kind of stuff and tons of money, uh, he's not the guy they thought he was. Which he wasn't in the first place. It was just the fact that they bamboozled you. Here's a little bit of Bernie Sanders this morning releasing a video where he is announcing his run for El Presidente to make Sanders, this country I'm socialist. I'm running for president, and I'm asking you today to be part of an unprecedented grassroots campaign of one million active volunteers in every state in our country. Our campaign is not only about defeating Donald Trump, the most dangerous president in modern American history. It is not only about winning the Democratic nomination and the general election. Our campaign is about transforming our country and creating a government based on the principles of economic, social, racial, and environmental justice. Our campaign is about taking on the powerful special interests that dominate our economic and political life. I'm talking about Wall Street, the health insurance companies, the drug companies, the fossil fuel industry, the military-industrial complex, the private prison industry, and the large multinational corporations that exert... I'm talking about our industry. ...such an enormous influence over our lives. Our campaign is about redoubling our efforts to end racism, sexism, homophobia... And redoubling your income tax. Twice. Obia religious bigotry, and all forms of discrimination. Our campaign is about creating a vibrant democracy with the highest voter turnout of any major country on earth while we end voter suppression, Citizens United, and outrageous levels of gerrymandering. Our campaign is about creating a government and economy that works for the many, not just the few. We are the wealthiest nation in the history of the world, we should not have a grotesque level of wealth inequality in which three billionaires now own more wealth than the bottom half of the country. We should not have 30 million Americans without any health insurance, even more who are underinsured. This is what I think is hilarious. He says three billionaires own more wealth than the bottom half of the country. So he's like, let me take all the people in poverty and uh, or with lower incomes and combine their 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 money together and see if it adds up to the top three billionaires in this country. Of course, it's not going to add up, you dummy. And a nation in which life expectancy is actually in decline. We should not have an economy. Isn't Obamacare still in place? In which tens of millions of workers earn starvation wages and half of older workers have no savings as they face retirement. We should not have the highest rate of childhood poverty. Roots campaign. So Bernie Sanders is literally talking about people making starvation wages. I mean, have we literally, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just naive, but I'm, I'm not seeing a large amount of people even walking the streets that are starving to death. I mean, do y'all see people in the streets starving? 
I, I talk with, with homeless people on a regular basis, not because I'm out here trying to be a, a community activist, but because every time I stop at a gas station, they're coming up and asking me for money. Even those people ain't starving. Like the money they get from me, they've already eaten, so they're just getting booze and heroin. And I know that. If I give them money, I know that too. I'm like, knock yourself out, whatever. People, people aren't starving. People are earning starving wages. Commit themselves to this campaign. You know as well as I do that we are living in a pivotal and dangerous moment in American history. We are running against a president who is a pathological liar, a fraud, a racist, a sexist, a xenophobe, and someone who is undermining American democracy as he leads us in an authoritarian direction. I am running for president because now more than ever, we need leadership that brings us together, not divides us up. Women and men, black, white, Latino, Native American. We need to come together as a country and I'm the man to do it while I call your president a racist and a xenophobe. An Asian American, gay and straight, young and old, native born and immigrant. Now is the time for us to stand together. Okay, that's enough. Anyway, Bernie Sanders, and I just did this. I haven't actually talked. I know plenty of Bernie people, and I haven't actually gone out and talked to them yet because this news is is so fresh. But let me just read you some of the comments that were on the the post that CNN made. CNN puts out an article on Facebook, so I figure I could get a good feel of the pulse of these people by going to CNN because most of those people were very anti-Trump, pro-Democrat, whatever. And, and Bernie had a, a huge following whenever he uh, ran in 2016 and obviously got bamboozled and screwed over by the Hillary Clinton campaign, blah, 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 whatever. Here's some of the comments from CNN, CNN readers, okay? Please don't. I supported you last time, and I do believe in much of what you talk about. However, as others have said here, you will divide the party, and we need to be unified to remove the big orange Cheeto from the White House. Another one says, I like Bernie, but quite frankly, I'm waiting on Joe Biden to announce he will run. Another one says, nah, we good. I supported your last bid, but it's not about you at this point. You're just not the strongest candidate to challenge the head Cheeto we have in place right now. Another one says, stay home, Bernie. You divided us the first time. <laughs> Another one says, oh, geez, this guy will be almost 80 if elected. Are you guys truly supporting this? Desperate times calls for desperate measures. Another one, Bernie, no, set this one out. We don't need you dividing the ticket and getting 45 reelected. Uh... Another one, I like the guy, but his time has passed. Plus, why does he flip from independent to Democrat to independent and back to Democrat? <laughs> so Bernie getting no love, no love from the, uh, from the left since announcing that he's running for president. I almost feel bad for him because I'm like, man. You had so much momentum in 2016, like it, it would only serve to logic that that uh, 
you would come back and people would be pumped up because we all remember at the DNC those sad little faces. People are crying. Uh, people were chanting Bernie because he, as he was conceding uh, the, the the race and all this kind of stuff, and it was just it was a mess. People were devastated, and then here comes Hillary. And the stark reality hits where they realize that's their candidate and that's what they've got to put up against Donald Trump. And it's not going to turn out good. So, sour grapes, Bernie Sanders. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, buddy. You might want to hang it up before it's too late. So we'll see. We'll see where Bernie goes with this jazz. Who knows? I do. I Honestly, I, I do feel bad for him. I, I kind of wish that... Uh, he would at least get a, a little bit of love from some people, but I don't guess that's going to happen. I'm sure he'll have maybe a little bit, a little bit of support, but he, he'll quickly learn early on in the race that it's just his time has passed. That commenter is right. Coming up next, we should have Joy Villa on the phone, so y'all stick around for that. Got plenty to talk to her about as the storm rages on outside. Hopefully it doesn't knock our power out. That would be bad, but we shall see. Over the line, over the line show.com. Andrew McLean hanging out with you. Y'all hang tight. show.com Andrew McLean hanging out with you go to overthelineshow.com and make sure you sign up for our newsletter so you can keep in touch with the show and find out uh, what's going on I don't know that you can actually keep in touch with the show 
by emailing the newsletter back, like a reply, but I don't know if I get those emails or not. Just email me directly, andrew at overthelineshow.com. It's pretty easy. And actually, what we're thinking about doing is going back and starting to do an email segment again. And we may break out the old email theme song and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm thinking about going back that route. And so if you guys want to email the show and be a part of that segment, uh, you can do so. We'll see if uh, we'll see how many emails we get and go from there. Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. Uh, I've gotten, I've really slacked on answering my emails or, or reading my emails since I left the, uh, left the radio station. I used to be on top of it because I was forced to check that stupid thing every single day because of corporate rules. But once I didn't have anybody telling me I had to, I stopped doing it. So I'll get back on top of that. Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. All right. Uh, many of you waiting on Joy Villa to join the show. Uh, oddly enough, that is not happening as of yet. Now, she may call. And that's just how these things work. Uh, luckily, this is not necessarily like live radio where we're all sweating bullets and we're on a time crunch. In the podcast realm, we're a little bit more lenient. So we will uh, we will see if she joins us or not. We'll keep an eye on it. If she doesn't, we will attempt to reschedule. Maybe uh, she'll have some sympathy on us and come on tomorrow and do it again. Do it again tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I was excited to have her on, though. So hopefully she'll make that up. Because we had to, we did a lot of back and forth with uh, her manager to to line this up because she was so busy. You know, last not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before was the Grammys, and she wore the the dress, the the Make America Great Again dress, and it said "Build the Wall" on the back. And so she got a lot of press and was doing a lot of interviews and TV and all that stuff. So she didn't have time for this little old podcast just yet. But now that that's kind of died down, and really, there's not much to talk about on that front. There's probably a million other things I want to talk about. But while we wait and see if, if that comes to fruition, we will proceed. Uh, let me just start from the top. We, we've already mentioned that there are 16 different attorneys general that are suing Trump. Attorneys generals from 16 different states, including New York and California, suing Trump over his emergency declaration, saying you can't do it, taking it straight to the Ninth Court, just like Trump said he would, and then um, it'll make its way to the Supreme Court. That's the thing. Now, obviously, if the Ninth Court comes back in a, a shocking ruling of uh, Trump's got the right to declare a national emergency, then that'll be the end of it. But if it comes back the way everyone expects it, which is for the uh, for the Ninth Circuit to say he doesn't have that power, it's unconstitutional, whatever, then it'll make its way to the Supreme Court, where, as you know, Donald Trump feels like he's got a good chance. I think we all feel like he's got a good chance to win that battle. And that's the beauty of packing the Supreme Court with your guys. 
no matter who you pick, and we'll see this over time with, with Donald Trump's appointments, you've got um, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh so far. Uh, you will likely, especially if Donald Trump wins in 2020, you will likely have another pick from Donald Trump. There will be times that those three justices make rulings that we think are bad calls that we think are bad rulings. It's going to happen. It always does. But in the majority of cases, I believe we will be pleased with the way these guys rules. In this one, it's a no-brainer, really. Uh, but in other cases, you had Brett Kavanaugh rule on something, uh, I can't remember, it had to do with abortion in states, uh, having the ability to not fund Planned Parenthood and I think Kavanaugh ruled against that, but uh, a lot of people weren't happy about that, but take that for what it's worth. I'm trying to find Trump explaining what happens with his national emergency. Let's see. Trump explains national emergency uh, court. Let's do that. I know that's very vague. I was trying to find a short video of Trump going through during his press conference in uh, the in the Rose Garden when he first announced it. And he goes, so we'll announce a national emergency and then it'll go to the Ninth Circuit and then the Ninth Circuit will strike it down and then it'll get sent to another court and that court will strike it down. And then it'll get sent to the Supreme Court, and hopefully uh, we will win. But I don't know that I have that actual audio. Maybe this is it. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah, I think this is it. Here we go. This is uh, Donald Trump from uh, the other day announcing the national emergency. And we will have a national emergency, and we will then be sued, and they will sue us in the United Circuit, even though it shouldn't be there, and we will possibly get a bad ruling, and then we'll get another bad ruling, and then we'll end up in the Supreme Court, and hopefully we'll get a fair shake, and we'll win in the Supreme Court, just like the ban. They sued us in the Ninth Circuit, and then we lost to the appellate division, and then we went to the Supreme Court, and we won. But we won on the band, and we won on other things too. Uh, the... <laughs> that was that was obviously not the raw audio, but that was the first one I found. Anyway, I thought that was funny when he did that because he's basically he's basically mocking these people as he always does. He is a master troll, and uh, he plays these the, the people on the left. He plays them like a fiddle. He plays the media like a fiddle, and it's almost as if they don't even realize it. But nonetheless. The breakdown he gave you, that's exactly what's going to happen. So count it because uh, it will be uh, a thing with 16 states suing the president. And keep in mind, these kind of things happened under Obama as well. A lot of it was a matter of getting information from Obama, from the Obama administration under the Freedom of Information Act. A lot of them coming from uh, places like Judicial Watch and whatever else. But uh, this is a little different, okay? This is a president trying to secure the nation and make sure the people are safe. Uh, when Obama was being sued, it was actually the opposite. We were trying to figure out what was going on and why moves were being made that was making this country less safe. But that's neither here nor there. The proof of the southern border being open 
is continuing to show itself uh, to not be safe. It, it, day after day after day, we have new examples of why it's so dangerous on the southern border and why any part of that border being wide open with with giving people the ability to just waltz across, anybody and everybody, giving them the ability to waltz across and go wherever they want to in this country, why it's so dangerous. There was a, a an ambush by Mexican cartel members on Mexican soldiers at the Texas border or near the Texas border uh, just yesterday. I believe this was either yesterday or the day before. Uh, it was the Los Zetas gang killed one of the Mexican soldiers and injured two others in Nuevo Laredo. Three of the uh, the cartel members who were working for this convicted terrorist organization also died in the incident, which was just south of Laredo, Texas. Uh, the Mexican military, they, they've not released any information on the attack, but uh, unofficial sources with direct knowledge to the, uh, to the incident told Breitbart that the attack took place along the highway that connects Nuevo Laredo to Monterey, and that a bunch of SUVs showed up with gunmen, and they started firing on, uh, on the Mexican soldiers, causing all that chaos. There's actually a video from one of the... I don't know if you call him a watchdog, but it's some sort of Twitter account, like a almost like a citizen reporters who document a lot of this stuff and keep up with the goings on there at the border on the Mexican side. Uh, and they posted a video. There's no visual; it's just audio, but you can hear the gunfire in the background, and it just accentuates how dangerous this place is. Uh, right there, and, and keep in mind, it's right there on the border. Okay, that may have been the poorest piece of audio I've ever played. I apologize. But trust me, it's dangerous. It is certainly dangerous. Also, as I said, Donald Trump giving a speech in Florida uh, denouncing Venezuelan dictator Nicolas Maduro just yesterday and uh, saying the, the, the problem is only one thing. It's socialism. He said socialism, uh, socialism promises prosperity, but it delivers poverty. Socialism promises unity, but it delivers hatred and it delivers division. Socialism promises a better future, but it always returns to the darkest chapters of the past. Socialism is about one thing only, power for the ruling class. And the more power they get, the more they crave. That's real. That's real talk, if you will. So he goes after socialism. Uh, uh, several countries are denouncing Maduro and saying that he has got to step down. They're urging the members of the military who are still with Maduro at this point to uh, break ties and uh, turn their back on Maduro. Because that's that's the only thing that's keeping Maduro in power right now is the fact that he's got the military on his side. That's it. 
It's the only reason. And the military holds the power. So once the military realizes that their country is in shambles and that it's not getting better and it's not going to get better, hopefully they will take the advice of not only the U.S. but many other countries across the world who are really just looking out for the best interest of Venezuela. So you've got that going on, and then you've got today a socialist announcing that he's running for president in the U.S. Ironically enough, it happened to be this guy. Running for president because we need leadership that will fight the working families and the shrinking middle class, not just the 1%. We need a president who understands that we can create millions of good-paying jobs, rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure and constructing the affordable housing we desperately need. I am running for president because we need trade policies that reflect the interests of workers and not multinational corporations. We need to raise the minimum wage to a living wage, provide pay equity for women, and guarantee all workers paid family and medical leave. I'm running for president because we need to understand that artificial intelligence and robotics must benefit the needs of workers, not just corporate America and those who own that technology. We have to destroy the robots, and we have to give men mandatory maternity leave. He's mad because uh, artificial intelligence, quote-unquote, which is things that uh, replace workers, uh, he's upset that, that that's happening. He's upset that there are certain places that found out it would be cheaper to just invest the money into some some robots or, you know, whatever, some robotic burger flippers or whatever. You know, we saw that coming, uh, uh, I, I guess, late in the Obama administration. At some restaurant, they just started uh, getting machines because it was getting too expensive and people were wanting to jack up the minimum wage and all that kind of stuff, and it was just going to kill the business. Uh, now Bernie's mad that that's happening. Here's the thing that people like Bernie Sanders don't understand, that want the government to artificially inflate wages or whatever the case is. It, it doesn't work simply because... The business, the businesses have to survive in order to employ the workers. If the businesses can't make money, the, the businesses can't pay workers more than they make. And the businesses can't jack up the prices of their products and run the customers off. Because then you're back to square one. They're paying people more than they make. That effectively puts people out of business. It's also... On the large end of things, when we talk about taxing the, the top 1% or the top 0.1% or whatever, there is nothing that these people can do or nothing they're offering to put in place, no policies they're putting in place to force these super rich people to stay in the U.S. Because if they want this to be effective, that's what they've got to do. They've got to put in some policy that says 
we're going to raise the tax on this group of people to 60, 70, 80%, and then we're also going to force them to stay in the U.S. Otherwise, we will incarcerate them. That's the only way to do it. Because if you tax the living crap out of these rich people, currently, nothing is stopping them from leaving the country. They're in America because America is the greatest country in the world, right? Well, America's stance as being the greatest country in the world dramatically diminishes once you start doing things like taxing the super rich at a super high rate. Those rich people, they don't want to pay that. They've given their blood, sweat, tears, investments, whatever, to get that money, or they've inherited it from their family, whatever. And then they've turned around and they've invested it. Whatever the case is, they don't want to go through that. So they're going to leave, something they have the every right to do. It starts with not just them leaving, but their business is leaving. And then soon after that, they themselves leave. So once you tax those people to the point that they leave the country and they go somewhere else where they can keep more of their money and they can set up their businesses there and all that kind of stuff, then you've got nobody else to tax. Then you've just got the middle class and the poor people who you claim to be given all that extra money to. Well, they don't have that extra money. And the only way to survive is to raise the taxes on those middle class and lower class people. And then socialism. It's that simple. That's how it works. You can't force these people to stay in the U.S. You can't force these companies to stay in the U.S. And all that does, it's so simple. All that does is run those people off. It's simple math. Now, speaking of Bernie Sanders, he obviously got permission from Hillary Clinton in order to run for president. As you know, uh, Hillary is his uh, Hillary is his daddy, if you will, and tells him what to do. And that's why he turned around and supported her after she literally screwed him out of the nomination. Um, Hillary weighed in on the national emergency stuff on Twitter. And here's what she said. The real national emergencies. Relentless gun violence, children separated from their families at the border, climate change, and, the best one of all, Americans dying from lack of health care. Now, on that last one, I can't help but think at this point that Hillary Clinton is not who we think she is, but she is a, a, a Republican operative that is the greatest Republican operative of all time. Because her new claim is it's a national emergency that Americans are dying from lack of health care while Obamacare is still the law of the land. Mm. Now, maybe she didn't think that through. That's very possible. But you can't be that stupid. Well, maybe you can. Keep in mind, though, people on the campaign trail will continue to repeat that talking point. And I truly hope 
that every time somebody brings that up, somebody stops them and says, hey, isn't isn't Obamacare still in place? Isn't that supposed to fix all of those things? Shouldn't Americans, uh, all Americans have health care? Shouldn't we be at a point where people aren't dying from lack of health care? That was the point of Obamacare, right? Hmm. So much for that. Also awkward moments. How about Kamala Harris? She was stopped by a reporter just yesterday, and she was asked about her tweet referring to Jesse Smollett and uh, the tweet that said this. Jesse Smollett is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempted modern-day lynching. No one should ever fear for their life because of their sexuality or color of their skin. We must confront this hate. Then Fox News ran this little ditty uh, where she was asked about that tweet and asked how she feels about it now that all this information has come out. Shep, candidates here are being confronted with questions about whether or not they were too quick to condemn the attackers in the Jussie Smollett case, including Senator Kamala Harris, who needed a minute to think about whether or not she stood by her previous comment that the attack was an attempted modern-day lynching. Which tweet? What tweet? Uh, the, about uh, saying that it is a modern-day lynching, that... Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> Jussie Smollett. She stopped and she looked behind her at the two people standing beside her in a brief moment of a brief moment of, of awkwardness and then turned around wide-eyed and looked at the reporter and said, "Oh, sorry." Almost as if she blanked out. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Jesse Smollett. Um I, I, okay, so I will say this about that case. I think that the facts are still unfolding, and um, I'm very um, concerned about, obviously... <laughs> that was awkward. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned, and the facts are... Uh, uh, what did my tweet say again? Man, I'm telling y'all, this presidential campaign coming up, in 2020 let's say this coming year no let's let's back up let's go once we get to this time next year this presidential race is going to be so much gold just on the democrat side forget the part where we get to the general election uh in the summer of 2020 and donald trump is going up against the nominee just the infighting that will go on with these Democrat candidates. Because for so long, for so many years, the, the Republican Party has been the party of infighting. They've been the party of not being able to agree on anything. And to an extent, they're, they're still at that point. But all this fighting going on and nobody could agree and, and the constant headlines were, and in the mainstream media, it was, the Republicans are falling apart. They'll, they're never going to recover from this. Is this the end of the Republican Party? Blah, 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 blah. And now, now, especially since the midterms, with the mix of those that are moderately liberal and those that are radically left, 
you are going to have a mess on your hands. When you've got people in the Democrat Party, in the House of Representatives, that are promote, promoting anti-Semitism, that are literally outspoken against Israel, and all of these other far-left issues, and then you've got others that are from states that are more moderate, where they can't say those kind of things, but they don't want to condemn their colleagues because Democrats got to stick together, but also because you secretly believe those same things that they do, it is going to be a big old mess. Because they'll get called on it. The mainstream media is going to play softball with these guys for a long time. But there will be people that get in the mix and they ask them these tough questions. I watched the media, the, the, the mainstream media reporters with Kamala Harris on a campaign stop. And instead of asking her questions and tough questions at that, they were, they were picking out clothes for her to try on at a fashion boutique. They were literally helping her try on clothes. The mainstream media, real tough journalism from those guys. Expect that coming up. But speaking of Jesse Smollett, uh, we're, we're starting to get a bigger picture of, of what happened in that case. If, if you followed this from the beginning, you know that there was a, a letter involved with this entire controversy as well that was sent to, uh, sent to the set of Empire. It was mailed to the, the, the show set where they were shooting. And it had the N-word on it, and it was dressed with MAGA, and it had a note talking about whatever, whatever. I don't remember exactly what was on it, but he showed it on TV and on that interview he did. And it was just real nasty and derogatory. But it was put together like a serial killer does in the movies, where they cut out letters out of a magazine and glue them on the paper. It was one of those deals. So, apparently, Jesse Smollett put that letter together himself and sent it to himself on the set of his TV show. So he receives it. He looks at it. He shows his colleagues. He's like, this is awful. This is Trump's America. This is what happens. His supporters are attacking me and threatening to lynch me and blah, 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 blah. They thought it was awful. But the problem was it got no media attention, which is what he was wanting. He was wanting that letter, letter to catch fire in the news cycle and everybody to be talking about it and for it to damage Donald Trump. And the cops didn't have to get involved or anything because it was just a letter, uh, although there was a white powdery substance within the letter that they said was Tylenol. Um, he wanted that to be out there and for it to just be something that, that really betrays Donald Trump's base and who they truly are. But nobody talked about it. There was more important things to talk about than this stupid little letter that Ju Ju Juicy Jussie sent himself. So, he wasn't happy about that. So what did he do? He upped his game. With the same goal in mind, he got his two compadres, his two Nigerian buddies, from the TV show to set up this elaborate attack where he gets bleach poured on him and has a noose put around his neck. 
that he wore apparently for hours after the alleged attack <laughs> and held on to a Subway sandwich in below freezing temperatures in Chicago during a polar vortex. Um, so that's where it came from. That's where it started. It, it didn't work out like he wanted, so he said, yeah, we got to do something more drastic. Let's fake a complete attack. So there you go. And now we're here. It's funny because just watching people's reactions, of course, you're getting nothing from the um, from the politicians. They're not speaking on this because they know they look like a bunch of idiots. Uh, but other people, a little more open about it. One of those people uh, is actually Cardi B. Now, if you don't know Cardi B, Cardi B is a, a rapper, a female rapper. And she was on... Instagram, I guess doing an Instagram live video or something. And she was talking about the case and she said, you know what? Jesse Smollett, he completely screwed up Black History Month with this with this stunt. It's just here, I'll play it for you. I had to go through and heavily edit this thing because there was so much language in it. But uh here's here's what I could give you on that. So I'm really disappointed. And Jesse Smollett, whatever the fuck his name is, I'm really disappointed in him. I feel like he fucked up Black History Month, bro. <laughs> he messed up Black History Month, bro. And listen to her while she's doing this video. It's really disgusting. She's like smacking the whole time. I don't even know what she's eating, but it's absolutely gross. God damn. So they might probably trying to frame him and make him look like he's a liar. But if he's not, then bro, you f***ed up for real. Like, why would you do that? Like, you ain't had to do that. Then you gave Donald Trump immunity to laugh at and make mother look bad. <laughs> she said, you, you give Donald Trump immunity to laugh at black people and make black people look bad. And you also ruined Black History Month. <laughs> it's so insane. I mean, this stuff is gold. It's And y'all know it. It's gold for many reasons. It's, it's meme gold. It's internet gold. Uh, politically, it's gold. Uh, because uh, Jesse Smollett didn't just disgrace himself. He literally... Uh, did exactly the opposite of what his intentions were. His intentions were to damage Donald Trump and promote the other candidates that are running on the Democrat ticket. But instead, Donald Trump gets the last laugh, the MAGA crowd gets the last laugh, and now Democrats are left holding the bag, being asked to explain why they jumped the gun and they just assumed that this attack was real without um, without any evidence, without any research, without waiting on the facts. Because now all of a sudden, they want to wait on the facts. They want to wait on more information. But when it started, they didn't want to wait on any information. 
They already knew it was a, a an attack by the MAGA crowd. And here's the thing. This, this is the equivalent of Hillary Clinton calling Trump supporters a basket of deplorables. These guys are just starting their campaign, and they're already saying, this is the way we think about Trump supporters. We view Trump supporters as the type of people that are capable of this thing. Democrats have to pull some people from the other side. They do. And I don't mean Trump's hardcore base that's never going to vote for Democrats. No. But there are people that either voted for or didn't vote for Trump that like what he's doing now, but can be swayed to a candidate that they think would maybe do as good as Donald Trump, but just be more mild-mannered. They may be more, uh, uh, more inclined to vote for that person. But they're not going to do it when they're, the Democrat candidates are out there calling people names or doing, saying things that are the equivalent of Hillary Clinton calling Trump supporters names. Because at that point, they're no better than Donald Trump being on uh, Twitter calling people names. Calling people lying, leaking James Comey or, or uh, you know, whatever. Calling people names. Sleepy Eyes, Chuck Todd, all this. That's one thing. But telling somebody that they're capable of that sort of hate crime, that despicable of an act, that, that, that disgusting act that Smollett claims happened, that's pretty offensive. I think that's offensive to, uh, to a lot of people. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But it seems like the Democrats are off to one of the, uh, the worst starts they could possibly get. Now, keep in mind, none of this means that they've damaged themselves beyond repair. We're in early 2019. We've got over a year to go before we even get to the, uh, the primary election. So there's plenty of time to recover. But if they keep acting in this fashion, there won't be any recovering. They'll just continue to dig themselves into a deeper hole. And we'll be right here to watch it all go down. Over the line, over the line show.com. We'll take a quick break. Come back on the other side. Y'all hang tight.
Are you looking to get the word out and help grow your business? Hey, it's Andrew from Over the Line, the podcast. We are looking to partner with brand new business owners to help grow their business and get the word out to our listeners so we can link them up with the best businesses around. They spend their hard-earned money on these products, on these services, and we want to make sure we get them teamed up with the right people. If you're interested in teaming up with this podcast and letting people know about your business, contact me, Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. That's Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. conversation about socialism my man james over here on youtube he says with the green new deal that's actually the policy that's going to stop the rich people from leaving when they're getting the crap taxed out of them because there's not going to be any planes or cars or boats or trains and because people will be weak because there's not going to be any meat to eat I didn't think about that, but that's exactly what it is. It's a policy to make sure the rich people can't leave. It's genius. I don't know why I didn't think about that. This is why they keep saying, don't worry, socialism is going to work this time. It just hasn't been done right. Democrats are smarter than we give them credit for. Much smarter. Don't doubt AOC. She may seem like she's brain dead. And don't have two brain cells to rub together. She knows what she's doing. Banning cow farts. There's a master plan behind it. Not to mention we don't want to die from global warming. While, um, you know. The West Coast constantly is living, dealing with wildfires. The the Panhandle and, and the, the coastal areas like Florida, their living rooms are being flooded because of, of the heat. But for some reason, the, when you go up north, they're getting two, three, four feet of snow and a polar vortex. So global warming just hasn't made its way up that way yet. Global warming is another issue for another day that we will talk about. Uh, but 
as we were talking about Jesse Smollett, it's important to note what's been going on in New York City. And I was surprised to see the New York Times report on this. And maybe it's just because they don't realize who the perpetrators are just yet. But um, they put out a report about anti-Semitic attacks are continuing to rise in New York, like physical attacks and vandalism to Jewish churches, Jewish synagogues. There have been uh, three incidents lately here. I'll just read you from the top from this New York Times article. Uh, One video shows a 51-year-old Jewish man being beaten to the ground by three young men who seem to select him at random, they say. Another showed an Orthodox Jewish man being chased across the street by a man wielding a tree branch. A third video shows an Orthodox Jewish man hanging onto a fence as an assailant jumped and choked him. The three incidents, all of which took place in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, in the past year, have raised alarms in the neighborhood and in the city's large Orthodox Jewish community as a whole. Hate crimes are up citywide, but in Crown Heights, they have taken a particularly violent turn. There were 55 hate crimes reported in New York City this year as of February 17th, and increase, an increase of 72% over the same period last year, according to police. Anti-Semitic crimes made up almost two-thirds of that for a total of 36 crimes reported so far in 2019 compared to 21 last year. So is it uh, is it a coincidence that you have anti-Semitic congressmen, uh, congresswomen, should I say? You've got Louis Farrakhan rubbing shoulders with some of the more prominent people in Washington, D.C. Is it odd that these sorts of things are happening? Because, by the way, this is not happening in the Deep South, where there's a bunch of rednecks and a bunch of MAGA hats running around trying to run the Jews out of our state and out of our county. No, this is happening in New York City, the most diverse city on the planet. And Jewish people are being attacked, while anti-Semitic things are being said uh, from the Capitol, and not by the president. Again, the mainstream media points at the the president for being anti-Semitic. Bernie Sanders does it. He did it in his his video to launch his presidential bid. That's not the guy. It's, It's the people in the Democrat Party saying things about how we shouldn't support Israel and how they're all about the money and Jewish people are evil and this, that, and the other. Even the Jewish Democrats say that because it's all about politics. It's all about party. And they are beholden to something more sinister and something more evil that causes them to be so very anti-Semitic. That's why these crimes are up. Those things are being said. And, And what they say about the Trump crowd, that Trump says things that that enables the hatred and the racism and the bigotry inside of people to come out, and they feel like they they now have a past to, to do these awful things. Well, 
those awful things never seem to happen, or when they say they happen, they turn out to not be true. This, on the other hand, is exactly what they're describing. The problem is, they're not describing Donald Trump, they're describing themselves. They're describing their own people. Anti-Semitism is on the rise, and we're putting anti-Semites in Congress. It's a scary thing. We're not that far removed from the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh. And you've got this stuff going on in the streets of New York. Something's got to be done. I know after the third or fourth anti-Semitic comment from Congresswomen in, in Congress, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer finally came out and, and condemned those comments. But it's too little too late. We know why you didn't do it before. is because you and your compadres, y'all stick together. And there may be anti-Semitism on your part as well that you hold deep in your heart. The Democrat Party is the party of racism. They were then, they were, they were the party of racism then, and they continue to be the party of racism today. They want to control the minority population. They want to control the Hispanic population, the black community. That's what they want. Why? Because that's what gives them power. And that is all they want. Now, on the other hand, You've got a guy, a self-proclaimed Republican, over in Linden, Alabama, who owns a newspaper handed down to him by his father, a newspaper that has, I don't know, a couple thousand, two, three thousand subscribers, which seems like a pretty large number in 2019 for that many people to be subscribing to a newspaper, um, that has... Editorials in the paper calling for the Klan to return, the Ku Klux Klan to return and clean out Washington, D.C. Now, this article came from the Montgomery Advertiser, but they talk about it uh, uh, saying Goodloe Sutton, who is the publisher of the Democrat Reporter newspaper in Linden, Alabama, confirmed to the Montgomery Advertiser on Monday that he authorized the Valentine's Day editorial calling for the return of the KKK. He said if we could get the Klan to go up there and clean out D.C., we'd all be better off. One of those articles titled, Klan Needs to Ride Again. He says, asked to uh, elaborate, uh, they asked him to elaborate what he meant by cleaning up D.C., and he suggested he meant lynching. He said, we'll get, up some hemp, we'll get some hemp ropes out, loop them over a tall limb, and go hang all of them. They asked him if he felt it was appropriate for the publisher of a newspaper to call for the lynching of Americans, and he just doubled down on this position. He said... It's not calling for the lynching, uh, lynchings of Americans. These are socialist communists we're talking about. Do you know what socialism and communism is? <laughs> socialism and communism is a very evil thing. But the, there's nothing more socialist or communist than 
killing the people that you don't agree with. So that would actually make you the communist. Um, in the newspaper, in the editorial, he wrote, Democrats in the Republican Party and Democrats, uh, Democrats in the Republican Party and Democrats are plotting to raise taxes in Alabama. They do not understand how to eliminate expenses when the money is needed in other areas. This socialist communist ideology sounds good to the ignorant, the uneducated, and the simple-minded people. When they asked him if he recognized the KKK as a racist and violent organization, he disagreed. He said the KKK is basically like the NAACP. He said a violent organization? Well, they didn't kill but a few people. The Klan wasn't violent until they needed to be. They asked him if he knew any Klan members that uh, remained in the area. He said, no, most of them died out in the 1960s. And I think that's a point that needs to be made with this guy. The people that, that feel this adamant about the lynching of people and killing people because they disagree with them or because of the way they look, the color of their skin, those people are dying out and they're almost gone. So when the media tells you that people like uh, Sutton here that those people are prominent, especially in places like Alabama, it's a lie. He, uh, he said to the Montgomery advertiser that he welcomed people to call him, to write him a letter, or to even boycott him. He said, uh, well, it, it goes through his, uh, his history. He's worked with the paper since 1964, inherited it from his father. He said he and the newspaper received national claim in the 90s for the reporting of a corrupt local sheriff. Sutton and his wife Jane reported a series of misused funds and abuse of power, blah, 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 blah. The New York Times in 1998 reported Sutton and the Democrat reporter lost advertising dollars and subscribers over their reporting. And in 2007, Sutton was inducted into the University of Southern Mississippi School of Communication Hall of Fame for the couple's anti-corruption articles and editorials. After the advertiser reported on Sutton's recent editorial and comments, the university removed him from the Hall of Fame. Within a few hours, uh, the School of Communications of the University of Mississippi learned Mr. Goodlow Sutton's call for violence, blah, 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 and they removed him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, that's the larger point here. This guy's a scumbag, but this guy is in uh, one of the smallest if not the smallest minorities in this country, the people that believe this way, that still have this type of mind frame, they don't exist in large numbers. This guy admits that he don't even know anybody else like him. He's on his own. He's like, the rest of them have already died off. And he's 70-something years old. He ain't got much longer. So he's going to be in a, a pine box with a heart full of hatred. But the narrative that these people are prominent and they're 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 running the streets and chasing down black people and 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 Mexicans and whatever it's absurd it's a lie this is not a good look, obviously because the media is going to take this and spin it like they spin everything else, but just know this guy is a nobody he really needs zero attention. He needs enough attention to make sure he's cast out of society for good, and then we forget the guy. 
because exactly what these guys want, they want attention. And he's getting what he wants right now. But hopefully it'll be short-lived and we'll no longer have to hear from this guy. There'll be more to that story uh, in the coming days. I am sure of it. And uh, if anything pops off, we'll let you know. We'll have Jeff Poor on the show tomorrow, I'm sure. And when we do, he's been doing a lot of reporting on that story. So we'll have him give us some of the lowdown on that front. That's it for me today. Sorry about the Joy Villa thing. Hopefully we can have her back tomorrow. I'll get back in touch with her people. We'll try it again. And uh, we got plenty of stuff we can talk to her about. Don't forget, overthelineshow.com. Make sure and sign up for that newsletter so we can keep in touch with you guys. Also, email the show. You got any comments, questions, whatever. Andrew at overthelineshow.com. Andrew at overthelineshow.com. Email me. We'll start our email segment back up. It'll be a good old time. I promise. Y'all have a fantastic day. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow. So until then, see you, cuz.